Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Welcome to the Michael Unbroken podcast, where it's all about understanding your past, getting out of the vortex, creating intention, cultivating self-belief, and becoming the hero of your own story. This podcast answers real client questions with real, personal, practical, and actionable advice based on science, mindset, and becoming unbroken. Now, your trauma coach, author, and speaker, Michael Anthony. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to talk about something really important, and that is the impact of COVID-19 on the children of America right now. And I recognize that it also impacts children around the world, um, but I specifically want to talk about America to start with because, you know, as a person who comes from a home of violence and trauma and abuse, I cannot imagine what my life would be like in this very moment had COVID happened in my childhood. And I posted on Instagram recently, and it went a bit viral on Facebook. If COVID-19 was happening during my childhood, I'd be terrified. Now is the time to think about children across America who are going to be trapped in violent homes with little resources. This is the National Child Abuse Hotline, 800-422-4453. And I posted that because I had this recognition that in my childhood, with all the abuse that was happening, with being trapped in my home with my parents, with my mother who was a drug addict and alcoholic, and my stepfather who was hyper-abusive, that 
the impact of that, I don't know that I would have been able to overcome. Now, that's speculation on something hypothetical, and I don't know what would happen because, as you know, my childhood was pretty traumatic to begin with. But I think about often, as we are in the midst of COVID-19, what I've been able to survive. And what I want to share with you are some statistics that I recently came across before doing a presentation for uh, school, and they are really startling. And as usual, I think it's really important that as we take these things into consideration, we recognize that this is happening right now in real time in America. And these statistics that I'm going to read from you, I came across from Washington Post, the National Children's Alliance, um, RAIN, and a couple other advocacy programs. Um, I'll put some information in the show notes for you. The most startling one is that child abuse reports were an average of 14% lower in March 2020 versus 2019. However, in April, they were 40% lower. In April, child abuse reports were 40% lower than in 2019. That is not an indicative factor that child abuse is now on a deterioration. In fact, what it is is very scary because now we have more children who are stuck at home that don't have first interaction with teachers, with faculty, with bus drivers, with you know babysitters, with anyone. And they're stuck at home in these very abusive, very dangerous situations. And doctors are saying that they're responding to more physical abuse cases than ever before. And for the first time in its 25-year history, RAIN, the National Child Abuse Sex Hotline, um, Sexual Abuse Hotline, excuse me, said that half of their victims who are calling are minors. Think about that for a moment. Half of the people calling this hotline are children who recognize that they are being sexually abused. That is the world that we're living in right now. And the scariest thing to think about is that advocacy programs are losing their funding um, and have been hit with huge setbacks. The National Children's Alliance estimates that this year there'll be a $90 million funding loss. That's tremendous. That is so much money. That is so much help that children are not going to be getting right now. And when you look at the child abuse statistics and knowing that every year 4.3 million child referral reports are received and that 91% of victims are maltreated by either one or both parents, you have to think about the exponential rate that this is going to have. In 2018, it was estimated that about 1,800 children died in their home from abuse and neglect. That puts you around about five children per day. Now imagine what those numbers are going to be when they run 2020. And my friend, if you are not scared, you should be. And if you're not supporting, you should be. Um, I'm going to put some links in the show notes of how you can be more supportive. But now is a great time to be an advocate. Now is a great time to show up for children. Now is a great time to put yourself in a position to help other people thrive. Um, And you can especially help in financial support. Um, You can help in just giving your time. You can help by writing a personal note to a kid that you know. You can help by supporting your local school. You can help in so many different ways. So please, even though we recognize that life is a little chaotic right now, it is a great opportunity for you to show up. 
And as we head into this week's episode, um, you know, I just want you to know that this is on my heart right now and it's important because ultimately I would love to get to this position where you and I don't have these conversations anymore, where we live in a country that takes care of its children, where we live in this place where people are safe and can grow up in healthy and sustainable life and build resiliency, but we don't. And until we do, we stay the course. When I think about the idea of self-love, it, it feels like it's no longer a struggle. And that is a really powerful thing to be able to say, especially when, like me, you probably come from a background of trauma and trying to figure out how self-love can actually be attained. I think you have to start by asking yourself some really important questions. And that is, when I think about the words self-love, what feelings or emotions come up? What is something I've been told about self-love that is not true? What are five positive beliefs that I have about myself? What is the fear that I have about loving myself? What would it feel like to love myself without judgment or criticism? And you could ask yourself millions of more questions about it, but ultimately what it comes down to is, are you putting yourself in a position where you are allowing yourself to believe that you are capable of love? And often we struggle with this because our level of worthiness and trust and self-belief and the ability to cultivate all of those things is torn down by the trauma that we experienced in our youth. And often one of the things that I run into is the question of how do I love myself? And recently I was working with a client and they asked me, I understand this concept of love, but I cannot feel the emotion of it. So how do I love myself? The question is really simple. You know, how do I love myself? It's not that difficult of a question, but the answer, my friend, is. The short term is that you go, okay, what do I need to do now in the micro to create the change in the macro? And what I mean by that is, what are the short-term things that we can implement to our life today that can set us up for success in the future? What does it mean to create a pathway of self-love? I think it first starts with self-talk, and I come back to this often. And I want you to take into consideration that self-talk is the catalyst for everything that's going to happen in your life. When you break down and look at self-talk, if we are the story that we tell ourselves, then it would hold true that if we are negative, then our understanding of who we are would be negative. You know, you have to first interrupt that process of negative self-talk before you can ever step into this idea of self-love. And what I mean by that is you have to, in these moments that you say something bad about yourself, you immediately have to flip that script and you have to say something good about yourself. And not only that, but in time, you will start to believe it. One of the worst things that you can do is beat yourself up about little things that don't matter. So often we put ourselves in this position of, oh, I broke a dish, or I spilled the milk, I was late to work, my girlfriend was upset at me because I left the towel on the sink, my boyfriend is mad at me because I burned dinner, like, and then what happens after that? We take these ideas and perceptions of other people and we distill them down into this place that cultivate our belief from an outside source and that's extrinsic, right? And so you have these moments occur and suddenly the conversation that you're having with yourself is, I'm stupid, I'm unworthy, I'm incapable, nobody loves me, why do I deserve love? That is nonsense. 
you have got to stop doing that shit immediately. Why? Because that is setting you up for complete and utter failure. You are setting yourself up for failure. And so in these moments of I am loathing or negative or don't believe in myself, we have to put ourselves in a position to believe in ourselves. Now, obviously, that sounds easier said than done. And trust me, I get it because for the majority of my life, negative self-talk was my identity. I had no idea who I was, and thus, I was a reflection of everyone else's thought and opinion of me. That's how I ended up being you know, borderline alcoholic and smoking two packs a day and being morbidly obese and cheating on my partners and lying to my friends and my family and setting myself up for ultimate failure because I did not believe that I was capable And look, it's going to take a lot of work to go through this place of adapting and adopting positive self-talk in your life, but it can start in a really simple instance, and that's by being present and noticing when you are doing it. We all have these moments where we immediately go, oh, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're ignorant, why did you do that? Of course no one loves you. You cannot allow yourself to do that. This comes back to the concept of setting personal boundaries. And what I mean by that is you have to put yourself in a position where you refuse to talk to yourself like that. So many of us talk to ourselves in ways that we would never let another human being talk to us. We say things to ourselves that are so cold and callous and cruel and mean that A, we would never say it to another human and B, we allow other people to say it to us. Right, And because of the past allowances that has led us to where we are, we have now just deemed it acceptable to talk to ourselves like that. And so step one, again, is you have to be able to break down this idea that you are worthy of respecting yourself enough to not be mean to yourself. I know. It's this really spacey concept that sounds foreign and uncomfortable. And once you start doing it, this thing is going to happen where you're going to step into imposter syndrome. I think this is just naturally par for the course. And what I mean by imposter syndrome is you're suddenly going to find yourself questioning the authenticity of the person that you are becoming because the person that you're becoming is brand new. You've never been in this place where you are having a dialogue around positivity in your own life. Up to this point, you've only been super mean to yourself. And so, of course, it's like a stranger walking into your house and you're like, who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? What do you want from me? And not only that, but you're going to have the reflection of the people around you as well saying, oh, you're different. Something about you has changed. Uh, You don't seem like the person that I thought you were. And people will start to notice as you develop self-love that your boundaries, we talk about this, right? Your boundaries are going to start to come into play. And that is going to put people in a really uncomfortable situation, especially those that are used to stepping all over you, especially those that have gotten their way with you, have worked you over, who have made you feel less than, because one day you're going to say, This is no longer representative of the person that I am, and I expect you to respect me because I respect myself. And sometimes that boundary leads to this place that you are also going 
to remove that person from your life. Now, I think you have to take inventory of that. You have to understand if that's the right decision. You know, is this a family member? Is it a spouse? Is it even your own children? You know, there are a lot of factors and considerations that have to be made before you take someone out of your life. When I was 18, I made the decision to tell my mother she was never allowed to talk to me again. And my high school graduation was one of the last times that I had saw her up until the day that she died. And I set that boundary because I recognized that the only way I was going to have any kind of future was to remove her toxicity from my life along with my stepfather. And as a teen, that was a really hard decision to make. And even reflecting on it now, it's a really hard decision that I had to make. But it was in line with my boundaries. Now, at this point, I did not yet understand and cultivate self-love. That would be years down the road. But it was a reflection of the boundaries that I knew I had to put in place for my own salvation. And so as you're stepping into this idea of self and boundaries and dealing with imposter syndrome, what you have to take away from this is that this idea of being an imposter is only in your head. And the same way that negative self-talk is only in your head, you have to come to this place where you acknowledge that you are changing. And in that acknowledgement, you have acceptance that you no longer have to be the person that you used to be, even though it's excessively uncomfortable and it feels strange and it makes you cringe and it makes you question the authenticity of who you are because you're introducing this whole new concept of self, not only to you, but to the world. And the other part of this that I think is really important when you are cultivating self-love is that you have to distill this really keen sense of acceptability for the flaws that you have. And what I mean by that is we often beat ourselves up for our flaws instead of just accepting them. And there are people who will tell you work on your flaws to become better. There are people who tell you work on your strengths to become better. I say that the biggest thing that you have to do is just accept that you're not a perfect person, that you're going to make mistakes, that you should not beat yourself up for those mistakes, and that you will learn in time through the just the pace of life. You're a different person now than you were yesterday. Think about any great thing that you've ever accomplished, right? It took time. It took you coming to this place of understanding before it ever truly made sense. And so... As you step into this idea of time, the third key and the most important part of this is patience. I have a theory, and I don't think this theory can be proved because I don't know that there's a real tangible measurement for it, but I have a theory that goes something like this. It takes us as long to get healthy as it did for us to get hurt. And so when I reflect upon my past and my childhood and into my early 20s, for 26 years, my life was chaos. My life was pain. My life was not anything like it is now. And because of that, and that moment happening at 26 where you know I started to head in this new direction of health and healing, I've recognized that the idea of health, despite all the things I do, and being a coach and being a mentor and going to all of the courses and therapy and having my own coach and all of those things, leads me to this idea that it's going to take me 26 years to get healthy. It is going to take as long to get healthy as it did to go through trauma. And because of that, you have to understand that you're going to have to distill just an immense amount of patience in your life. Because without patience, without this idea and this foundational concept that you can 
with time, it will never happen. Look, we live in a society, and I think as people in general, we want right now, right? We want fast food. We want fast calls. We want fast respect. We want fast everything, right? But realistically, it takes time. It takes time to respect yourself. It takes time to nourish yourself. It takes time to grow. You know, and I think the biggest thing is like the 1% rule. What can you do today to become 1% better than you were yesterday? And better, of course, is a measurement for you against you and no one else. And you have to take into consideration that as you step further into this, you'll care less and less and less about other people's thoughts and opinions of you because it is through cultivating self-love that you will create worthiness and happiness and structure and boundaries and put yourself in a position to be successful. And so as you step into this and as you start to cultivate self-love, you come back to ask these questions. What is it that self-love means to me? What are the beliefs that I have? How do I show up for myself? How do I be a person that loves myself? What does loving myself really mean? And how do I change through daily habits and practice and growth and interaction and listening to podcasts like this and coaching and therapy and all of the things? How do I create a long-term viable change in my life? It's through patience and understanding and the willingness to acknowledge that you, my friend, are worthy of love. And so I want to thank you again for listening to this episode of the podcast. I really appreciate you. And I know this topic can be a little heavy for a lot of us. Um, and I'm here to support you. If you haven't checked it out, please read Think Unbroken. It's available on paperback and Kindle. Um, you can check out other episodes of the podcast as well as follow me on Instagram at Michael Unbroken. Please do me a favor. If you find this content valuable, please share it. Just copy and paste this link, put it on your Facebook, email it to five friends, text it to a buddy who might need it. Help me grow this. I, I really appreciate it. And as you know, this is something that I do for, for not only me, but for you, because I believe that it is through community and through working together that we really create change. And I believe that it is important that if you have knowledge and expertise, that you share that with the world, because ultimately that's the only way the world becomes a better place. So please share this. Please like, follow, subscribe, do all those things. And until next time, my friend, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Thank you for listening to the Michael Unbroken podcast. To leave your question for Michael, call 971-801-2446. Please follow, like, subscribe, and review. And don't forget to check out more mental health resources at thinkunbroken.com. And follow Michael on Instagram at michaelunbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com.
My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program.